0: This morning, along with celebrating communion, we're going to be talking about the promise of pardon. So whether you're here at the gathering and uh, or listening to the podcast, we want to welcome you and thank you for coming today. Uh, I noticed just as I was coming to the front to pray with uh, the rest of the team that there were a number of people coming in that I didn't recognize, folks who are here for the first time. And if you are a first-time guest at the gathering, Uh, please know that we're glad you're here and we welcome your presence in our midst. If if you are a guest, I really encourage you to make your way to the welcome desk after the service is over, right next to the stairs at the back. And uh, we have a small gift waiting for you. We'd love for you to take advantage of that. Max Lucado tells the story of being dropped by his insurance company, after a a couple of speeding tickets and a minor fender bender. Uh, One day he received a letter in the mail informing him to seek coverage elsewhere. (laughs) As he reflected on the fact that he wasn't good enough for his insurance company anymore, uh, the spiritual tie-in was just too obvious. He said, you know, many people fear receiving a letter like this from God. Lucato then imagines this correspondence straight from the Pearly Gates Insurance Company. Dear Mrs. Smith, I'm writing in response to this morning's request for forgiveness. I'm sorry to inform you that you have reached your quota of sins. <laughs> our records show that since employing our services, you have erred seven times in the area of greed, And your prayer life is substandard when compared to others of like age and circumstance. (laughs) Further review reveals that your understanding of doctrine is in the lower 20 percentile, and you have excessive tendencies to gossip. Because of your sins, you are a high-risk candidate for heaven. (laughs) You understand that grace has its limits, right? Jesus sends his regrets and kindest regards and hopes that you will find some other form of coverage. (laughs) Well, I I think this is how it goes for a lot of people who, who live in constant fear of not measuring up. They're afraid that God will not forgive them this time or next time or the time after that or whatever. They live in fear of that. But the Bible says in 1 John 1, 1.9, If we confess our sins, God is faithful, and He's just, and He will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, forgiveness is the foundation of all true happiness. Without forgiveness, none of us can be truly happy. We can be happy by some definition, generally the world's definition of happiness, But we can't be truly happy according to the scriptures. And without forgiveness, marriages fail. Without forgiveness, relationships, friendships falter. And and without forgiveness, churches fumble. Psalm 32 talks about the the joy of forgiveness or the promise of forgiveness in such such delightful terms. And I'm going to ask you to turn to Psalm 32 in your Bibles. Or on your Bible app. We will have it on the screen. But I'd love for you to, to be able to see it in print. Or on the screen of your, of your phone or your, your device. Psalm 32. And the promise of pardon. Beginning at verse 1. David writes. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord... And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. So as we take a look at the promise of pardon today... Let's zero in on the first five verses. And first of all, we notice, we notice the sheer delight that we feel when, when sin is forgiven. I know we've just read these two verses, but let's read them together out loud, shall we, from the screen? Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So really, nobody is out of reach. There's no one beyond forgiveness. There's no such thing as a lost cause, as far as God's concerned. But only the truly forgiven are really happy. People have, I think, deceived themselves into thinking that they're happy with the things that they own or the places that they go or the vacations that they enjoy. But there's no such thing as true happiness without forgiveness. Would you agree? So if you trust in Jesus, then your transgression is forgiven. Psalm 32 says, First 1 John 1, 1.9 says, and your sin is covered. I mean, that's such a wonderful truth. It's very simple, but it's liberating and it's redemptive and it's cathartic and it's, it's healing to know that I can be forgiven by God. And that's the wonder of God's grace. That's the promise of, of, of pardon. That's the power of Jesus' blood. That's the pleasure that we feel when sin is cleansed from our hearts. Thanks be to God. And in the next two verses of Psalm 32, we read about the penalty we face when sin is silenced. When we don't own up to it. When we don't pay attention to it and deal with it. Psalm 32, verse 3. David is writing and he said, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up. As by the heat of summer, and, and 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 you know the background to Psalm 32, Second Samuel chapter 11 is the background to Psalm 32, and in Second Samuel chapter 11, that's where we read about David who sees this beautiful woman named Bathsheba taking a bath on the roof of her house in a hot summer day. And he should have been, or he should have been out with the kings uh, making war. Instead, he's here making lust after this beautiful woman. He arranges to have her brought into the palace. And he, he sleeps with her and has sex with her. And she becomes pregnant. And then, oh no, what am I going to do? So he has her husband killed on the front lines of battle. So it just goes from one mistake, one terrible, terrible mistake, one sinful action, one terrible decision to the next. Talk about a slippery slope. And so that's the background. And he says, when I kept silent about this, when I kept trying to cover it up and conceal it, when I, you know, told the lie to my, the general of my army, and I, I, I had Uriah kill, I kept silent about that. I didn't, tell, I didn't tell anybody about it, and I certainly didn't talk to God about it. And as a result, it, he, he says, my, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I once knew a young man who was, who was absolutely addicted to internet pornography. He would always go to bed at a decent hour. But as soon as his wife was fast asleep and breathing deeply, he would slip out of bed and turn on his computer and spend hours, hours, looking at pornography on the internet. Eventually, it caught up with him. I mean, his strength was dried up as by the heat of summer, just like David said. He had absolutely no physical energy. This guy was 20-something, and I was 30 something, and uh, I could run circles around this guy. He just had no energy left. He kept silent about his sin. He never reached out for help. He never talked to God about what was going on in his life. He destroyed his walk with God. He dragged himself to work every morning, usually late, eventually got fired, lost his job, lost his wife. His wife left him. His kids now want nothing to do with him. He's gone bankrupt. His life is absolutely ruined. The penalty we face when sin is concealed some people pay a very very heavy price when we conceal our sin when we play cover up with God when we keep silent about our sin and not talk to Him about it there's a very heavy price to pay so I encourage you consider the consequences of your life consider the implications and the ramifications for your family when you camouflage your sin. And then moving to verse 5, we reflect on the mercy we find when sin is confessed. I like verse (laughs) 5. I acknowledged my sin to you, Lord. I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. See, that that points to a, a problem today. Because nobody is talking about sin anymore. It's not cool. It's not hip to talk about sin. And most people don't think of themselves as sinners as a result. (laughs) They just, you know, they might be dysfunctional, admittedly. They might be a little messed up. But sin? Don't talk to me like that. And we're, we're, we're quintessentially Canadian. We're just so polite, we never would would say to somebody, that's sin. What you're doing is sin. But when you admit that you're a sinner, and when you recognize that all have sinned and fall short of the, of the glory of God, and that includes me, myself, and I, all three of us, we're all guilty. When, when we admit that, when we get right before God, we get down before God and say, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. Then you can find the joy of forgiveness. Then you can start walking in the promise of pardon. That's what David did. He said, I, I I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord. I have been silent about this too long. Look at all the mess. Look at the mess that I brought in my family. The disrepute. The lack of integrity. It's embarrassing. I'm not going to cover up my sins anymore. I'm not going to hide from God anymore. I'm not going to pretend that everything's okay. Because it's not. I will be honest with you, God. I will be truthful with you, God. I will confess my sins to you, God. I will talk about my iniquity openly to you, God. Because you understand. And you've promised to forgive. So David received the forgiveness of God. He was forgiven by God and he knew it. He knew it. He began to walk in the, the promise of pardon and in the forgiveness, state of forgiveness immediately. So don't be stubborn, confess your sins, admit your mistakes, own your junk. Earlier this week I read about a, a married couple who had an argument and they both decided to respond with silent treatment. Neither one of them was going to talk to the other. They were about a week into this experience When the man realized that uh, he had a business trip coming up the very next day and he needed to get up extra early. He needed to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. But determined not to break the silence, he wrote his wife a note. Please wake me at 5 a.m. Well, the next morning, the man woke up. His wife had obviously been up for a while. It was now 9 o'clock in the morning and his flight had long since departed. Could you imagine that, Peter? You miss your flight to China? Well, he was about to find his wife and demand an answer for her failings when he noticed a piece of paper on on his side of the bed. It said, It's 5 a.m., wake up. (laughs) God promises mercy when we fess up. So break your silence. Get down on your knees before the Lord and confess, whatever it is. If we confess our sins, recognizing human nature, I think the first word of that verse recognizes the reality of human nature. If. Because sometimes we don't want to and we don't. But if we do, if we confess our sins, if we say the same thing about our junk as God says about it, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all, all unrighteousness. So David discovered the joy of forgiveness and the promise of pardon not through concealment or or camouflage, not through deception or dishonesty, but through confession. It's a wonderful discovery. And it, just, it doesn't just happen the day that you become a believer. It happens each and every day that you realize that without Jesus we can do nothing and, and that we still operate with this sinful human nature that won't let go and we, we do blow it. We, 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 we sin against God in thought, in word, in deed, and deed and every day we need that reality of confessing our sins to God and making things right. And what God forgives, He chooses to remember no more. Hebrews eight twelve, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Woohoo I mean, isn't that good news? I read a paper once that, that seemed to imply that the human brain is so complicated that it, it, it quite literally cannot forget anything. The problem is with recall. The problem is with bringing it back to the to the to the consciousness. And so, if that's true, all that stuff, all those, everything is 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 part of that human computer that God has so miraculously created. And we can't forget. But God chooses not to remember our sins anymore. He chooses He chooses to forget. I wish I wish I, I wish I had that power. The things I want to forget, I don't forget. And those things that I do forget, I, I don't want to forget. Kind of sounds like Romans 7. Personalized, doesn't it? I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Thank you, Father. I know that I've shared this story before, but some of you are new. teacher was, once asked her students to list what they thought were the present seven wonders of the world. And while gathering the votes a few minutes later, the teacher noticed that one of the students hadn't handed in her paper. And she said, are you are you having trouble? And the student said, oh, I, I, I am having trouble. There's so many wonderful things in the world, I don't know which, which seven to choose. And so she said, well, tell us what you have and let us help you. Well, she looked at her classmates and was a little hesitant, but she finally said, okay, I... I think the seven wonders of the world are to see, to hear, to touch, to feel, to taste, to laugh, and to love. That's a pretty good list, isn't it? And I would add just one more. To be forgiven. I mean, that that has to be one of the seven wonders of the world, doesn't it? To be forgiven by God and to be forgiven by the people we love, that, that, that's, that's huge. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. For this promise of pardon... And for the joy of celebrating communion, just in remembrance of that. To remember all that you have done for us through the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead. Thank you for the privilege, Lord. And thank you for the the amazing privilege of being forgiven through the precious blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.